I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. The Miracle of Creation, Part 3 God's Two Ultimate Masterpieces When God finished making the heavens and the earth, it was time for His creative grand finale. In Genesis 1.28, we read that God said, Let us make man in our own image after his likeness. You might be wondering why the biblical text states, Our and not mine, as God speaks. It's because the original Hebrew word for God is the noun Elohim, and our God is a three-in-one deity. There are several verses in the Bible that list the three persons of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can look at Hebrews 1, 3, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and John 14, 9 for extra confirmation. But for this podcast, we are focusing on human beings God made in His image. The first thing we learn about the man God created first is that he reflects the image of God, his likeness, but not his appearance. Instead, we were created to have dominion over the earth God created. It says in Genesis 1.28 that God told man to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with offspring, subdue it, and have dominion over it. In order to do that, we would be required to take responsibility for that creation. Creatures are not viewed by God as equal to human beings, but instead are subject to their authority, which God placed in men and women to be stewards of the creation He made. Men and women are called to be good stewards by making rational, moral, and sometimes creative decisions as we do this. No other creature made by God is mentioned as being created in the image or likeness of God, only man. Because Eve was created from Adam's rib, she too reflects the image of God. And in Genesis 2-7, we read that God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. Even though you came out of your mother's womb, God breathed life into you. Two, he is the way, the truth, the life everlasting, and the creator of all things born yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In another important yet literally damning way, men and women became even more like God when they understood and knew both good and evil, as we are told in Genesis 3.22. However, one vast difference remains. God provided and embodied the law, and we miss the mark in obedience as far as the East is from the West. Thankfully, God knew we would need a Savior and provided a plan of redemption, and our Jesus Messiah bridged the expansive gap. In today's culture, some who call themselves progressive thinkers are challenging many of the aspects of what it means to be a man or a woman. They question the assignment of sex and propose the hypothesis that nature somehow made a mistake in the womb. As Christ followers, we read, male and female, he created them. In the Bible, we know that the God of the universe doesn't make mistakes. In Psalm 139.13, we read these words composed by David as he speaks to God. For you created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Popular culture is also keen on blurring the lines of gender roles. While history certainly bears out the notion that women were sorely in need of a revision of their civil rights, God surely would not condone the notion of a man being a man one day and a woman the next, depending on his mood. God made Adam and Eve and then fashioned Eve from one of Adam's ribs. 
Adam states, shortly after God made Eve, that she was taken out of man. Sexuality isn't dependent on mood. It's a divine assignment. In God's Eden, gender roles didn't need to be spelled out. There were no duties to be delineated there. Only after Eve bit into the apple and Adam followed, did God spell out the post-fall roles of both in Genesis 3, 16-17. Eve was to endure painful childbirth. God told her that her desire would be contrary to his and that Adam would rule over her. Meanwhile, Adam listened as God told him he faced a lifetime of hard work until death arrived at his doorstep this side of eternity. And finally, both Adam and Eve were kicked out of the perfect world God made for them. They lived out the rest of their lives in a world they saw fall apart in front of them. Thankfully, this is not the end of the story of mankind's eternal destiny. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. We'll talk more about that in the next episode. And now I'd like to read from my third book, The Vault Door, entitled Contemplating the Awe of God, His Dazzling Creation. At the breathtaking sight of a double rainbow, a clear black sky full of sparkling stars, or the birth of a child, many have said they've seen God's amazing handiwork. Of course, there are those who try to explain away the idea of a divine architect. But for those touched by faith in the Holy Spirit, many a holy moment has been spent standing in awe of all that God has made. The astounding variety of plant and animal life on our planet staggers the mind. From the tall redwood to the bonsai, the tiny lily of the valley blossom, and the largesse of a bird of paradise, God's trees and blooms dazzle both countryside and coffee table. The kinetic pattern of the zebra bears sharp contrast to the camouflaging skill of the gecko. The fluffy Himalayan cat beckons to be petted while the sight of a porcupine's prickly exterior may send you running for the hills. For the faith-filled eye, it's easy to give creation credit where credit is due. Yet creation skeptics persist in explaining away how everything came to be, despite compelling evidence of a divine order that has even convinced scientists. It is well with our soul when we continually praise God for the wondrous world He's made. Whether we inhale the scent of a blooming peony, taste the exploding juices of a robust cherry tomato, feel the gritty sand of a summer shoreline, hear the coo of a dove greeting the morning sun, or feast our eyes on a lunar eclipse, we can shoot God an arrow prayer of thanks for His divine design and its exquisite execution. The sheer amazement prompted by creation was the inspiration for many Bible verses, including Romans 1.20, which reminds us, ever since the creation of the world, His eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that He has made. Paul wrote this to illustrate that men who have not directly received the good news of Jesus Christ still have been privy to God's greatness through exposure to all He's made in nature. Like many parents before and after me, no moment in my life clarifies more succinctly for me that God is the giver of life more than when my oldest son was born. Because he was adopted and I didn't give birth to him, it was very clear to me that he was literally a gift from God. Observing his little seed pearl fingernails, hearing his little lamb cry, and taking in the precious aroma of his silky newborn hair left me breathless when I contemplated each in its entirety. Sorry, Big Bang Theory. You'll never be more to me than a television show. 
God made the world in six days, and he was more than a little right in saying it was good. And the keys to kingdom living are, stop not only to smell the roses, but to thank God for them. And the doorpost is, ask the animals, they will instruct you. Ask the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will instruct you. Let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Job 12, 7-9 Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon. Amazon. 